There may not be any significance to the number 320, but that is the number of days that have occurred since the beginning of this year. There are now 45 days remaining until the beginning of 2024, so take heed of this if you have any goals you would like to make between now and then. This is not a new song for a long dormant rock and roll band, but instead is another edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm Sean Tubbs, eager to take another listen. On today's program, Nelson County supervisors vote for a burn ban until further notice, and Greene County announces their outdoor ban as well. Senator-elect John McGuire announces he will challenge Representative Bob Good in the 5th District. A member of the Albemarle Board of Supervisors expresses concern about data centers, a brief update on Dairy Market Phase 3 and Charlottesville's development code, and the Charlottesville Planning Commission has once again recommended approval of a large student apartment building at the corner of JPA and Emmett Street. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, Since the beginning of this newsletter, one Patreon supporter has dedicated their shout-out to an organization that seeks to draw awareness of the importance of native species to the ecosystem. This is perhaps the best time to think about what to do next year, and there's no time like now to visit Plant Northern Piedmont Natives to learn what you can about what species are specific to your region. This partnership has 10 regional campaigns for 10 different ecosystems across Virginia, from the northern Piedmont to the eastern shore. You can take a look at the full map below in the newsletter for the Campaign for Native Species where you are in the Commonwealth. You can also download a free copy of their handbook, Piedmont Native Plants, a guide for landscapes and gardens. In this guide, Piedmont native plants are defined as those that evolved before the influence of European settlements that shaped and changed the landscape. Plants included in the guide were selected from the Digital Atlas of the Virginia Flora and occur naturally within the region. So now's the time. Check out Plant Northern Piedmont Natives. There's a link in the newsletter. A growing number of counties in central and southern Virginia are instituting bans on outdoor burning due to dry conditions and a growing number of wildfires. The Nelson County Board of Supervisors adopted both a drought emergency ordinance today as well as a prohibition on fires. Here is Nelson County Administrator Candice McGarry. We're now 14.27% of the counties in extreme drought. That's the Augusta County border area of the county. Um, 49.6% is in severe drought, which is west of Route 29. 36.808% is in moderate drought, and that's east of Route 29. McGarry said the drought is affecting agriculture in the county and that area waterways like the Rockfish River and the Tye River are all below levels due to a lower than usual level of precipitation. The emergency declaration allows for the ban on outdoor burning on private and public property. And this drought emergency would be effective until such time that the county receives significant rainfall that decreases the fire risk. Green County also has begun a period of restrictions as implementation of an outdoor burn ban began at noon today. Green County has been under a drought emergency since early September. Here's a section from their press release. 
No one in Green County may burn any items outside or dispose of any burning embers outside, including, but not limited to, leaves, garbage, shrubbery, fire pits, open-air grills, or campfires, because of the potential that such burning or disposal may cause uncontrolled fires. Violations are a Class 1 misdemeanor. The Quaker fire in Madison County is considered contained, though it's still burning, according to a website updated by the Virginia Department of Forestry. This week was the annual conference for the Virginia Association of Counties, and several members of the Albemarle Board of Supervisors attended the event in Bath County. This is a chance for elected officials across the state to meet with each other and learn about what's happening elsewhere in the Commonwealth. Newly re-elected Supervisor B. Lepisto-Kirtley said she attended a session called Virginia's Energy Landscape. This one was truly worrisome because... If your comp plan designates office retail or office space, data centers can come in there with as little as five to 10 acres. Lepisto Kirtley said she is concerned about the buy right use of data centers because they use a lot of water and energy. The video version for that event is not yet online, but will eventually be available. There's a link in the newsletter. In late August, Louisa County announced that Amazon Web Services will invest $11 billion in that locality to build two data center campuses. At the VACO meeting, Supervisor Ann Mellick was elevated to president of the VACO Board of Directors. Just eight days after being elected to represent Virginia's Senate District 10, Delegate John McGuire has announced on social media that he will challenge incumbent Bob Good in whatever nomination process is decided for 2024. McGuire said he's running because he claims Good does not support former President Donald Trump in his race for another four years in the White House. Instead, Good has endorsed Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. On his Facebook page on Wednesday... He said that the president was wrongly indicted, Good abandoned Trump, and said that he was a father, a Navy SEAL, a day one Trump supporter, a Christian conservative, and a pro-life, pro-gun business owner running to save America and help the people. The capitals are his. Brandon Jarvis writes in the Virginia Political Newsletter that the Goochland County Republican Committee quickly responded with a non-binding and symbolic no-confidence vote. The text of the resolution reads, The electorate has been misled and betrayed, as it is now apparent that John McGuire's intentions were primarily self-serving rather than driven by a genuine desire for public service. Jarvis also reports that at least two of McGuire's opponents for the Republican nomination for the Senate race have called McGuire a liar. One of them is Dwayne Adams, a member of the Louisa County Board of Supervisors, who posted on the social media website formerly known as Twitter. For more on the primary announcement, read Brian Carlton's article in the Farmville Herald. There's a link in the newsletter. The 5th District Republican Committee meets on Saturday at 10 a.m. in Farmville according to their calendar. So far, there's been no word from candidates who might seek the nomination for the Democratic Party in the 5th District nor independents. While work continues on the new development code for the city of Charlottesville, behind-the-scenes planning continues for one project that recently prompted the creation of a new addition to the future zoning. 
The Stony Point Development Group announced plans earlier this year to create a third phase of the dairy market development, plans that prompted an outcry from neighbors concerned about the five- to seven-story buildings being requested through an amendment of an existing special use permit. In August, city manager Sam Sanders said he had spoken with Chris Henry of Stony Point Development Group to encourage the creation of a community benefits package that might be created. Planning Commission Chair Hosea Mitchell had an update on Tuesday night and said he's met with Henry, along with Sam Sanders, Planning Commissioner Lyle Sole Yates, Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade, and Neighborhood Development Services Director James Fries. And that conversation was about something that they're doing in Richmond. It's called the Affordable Housing Grant. End of the day, it's nothing more than uh, rebates and, and tax credits to incentivize the development of affordable, of affordable housing. Mitchell said Fries will be putting together some ideas for potential applications. Meanwhile, Dairy Market is in the area covered by the new Core Neighborhood Corridor Overlay District in the Draft Development Code. That means the by-right heights of new buildings would be capped at three stories unless a special exception was granted. Yesterday, I published a summary of the November 1st, 2023 work session, which featured discussion of that overlay district, as well as another last-minute change to the draft zoning code. I hope to get to the November 8th and November 13th, 2023 work sessions before the next one is held. Here's Missy Creasy, the Deputy Director of Neighborhood Development Services. Our next work session is November 29th, and that's going to be discussion on the zoning map itself. Um, the public hearing for that uh, for council is scheduled for December 5th, uh, starting at 4 o'clock. Creasy said City Council has reserved December 13th as another meeting date if they decide to hold off on a vote immediately after the public hearing. December 18th is also reserved. listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second subscriber-supported shout-out, the organization Community Bikes has announced that they have surpassed their goal of distributing bicycles for both kids and adults this year. They want to express their heartfelt thanks to those who have kept bike donations rolling through their doors. They also want to express endless gratitude to the staff and volunteers who lovingly restore donated bikes, ensuring they are safe for their new owners. To find out more and learn about the recent donation of a new van donated by GEICO, visit communitybikes.org. For the second time this fall, the Charlottesville Planning Commission has approved a rezoning under the existing development rules for a project called Verve Charlottesville. The rezoning now awaits action by Charlottesville City Council. The planned unit development rezoning would apply to parts of Emmett Street, Stadium Row, Montebello Circle, and Jefferson Park Avenue. Here is Planning Commission Chair Hosea Mitchell. We approved this application 620 only a month ago, but it was, it was decided that 
we probably needed to get a formal uh, proper um, proper statement included in the in, in the docket. No other changes were made to the plan since the October 10th recommendation, except the inclusion of a proffer statement, which captures in the writing a very important condition. Here is city planner Matt Alphalay. The proffer statement in indicates the applicant will provide a cash contribution to the city's affordable housing fund in the amount equal to double that which is required under section 3412D2. Under the plan, 62 existing units spread across nine buildings would be replaced by one large building with between 525 and 540 residential units. The proposed building will have a height range of 75 feet to 135 feet and, a stories, and stories that range from five stories to 12 stories. In addition, the proposed PUD includes improved pedestrian and bicycle circulation along Stadium, Emmett, and Jefferson Park Avenue and road improvements to Montebello Circle. Since October 10th, 2023, the University of Virginia has sent a letter to the city council asking them to weigh the project very carefully. The November 1st letter urges consideration of the impacts the development would have on the UNESCO World Heritage Site that is the Academical Village. Here's a section from that letter, which is written by UVA architect Alice Rocher and senior vice president Colette Sheehy. Redevelopment projects near the Academical Village have never proposed new conditions that would diminish the integrity of the site until now. The proposed Verve planned unit development at Stadion Road and Jefferson Park Avenue could have a major and negative visual effect. City Council attends planning commission meetings for joint public hearings and Councillor Brian Pinkston brought up UVA's concern. I am aware of a letter that was sent by the university relative to um, the height of this project and the visibility from the lawn. I don't know if that's something that is in the public record at this point or worth discussing. The matter had come up at the commission's pre-meeting, which is not televised or recorded on video. Bill Palmer, UVA's non-voting representative on the Planning Commission, recalled what happened off-camera. What came up in the pre-meeting was that the developer may have developed some renderings from perspectives from the lawn that try to show how it will look. Um, I haven't seen those. So what I will ju I'll just say uh, I will look forward to seeing those. We'll look at those, and if there are any, you know, revisions we want to make to our statement, we can do that and get them to city council in the appropriate time. But um, beyond that, I think uh, our concerns are the same. During the public hearing, nearby resident Ellen Contini Marava argued that the proffer should not be enough to satisfy the city. $4 million sounds like a lot of money, but it's not that much if you compare it with the affordable housing fee that a developer would have to pay under the new zoning code if their development doesn't include any affordable housing. Under the new code, all developments over 10 units must provide 10% of the total units as affordable or pay into the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund. Under the new numbers, at roughly 53 units at $185,000 per unit, Contini Marava said the project would bring in over $9.8 million. As he did in October, Commissioner Kareem Habab cast the loan vote against the recommendation, largely because of the affordable housing implications.
But now we're at the end of number 603. It's a Thursday, and it seems I've got the hang of this particular Thursday, for a newsletter and podcast have been produced. The original idea is to have a daily edition, something that will realistically take more staff to get going, but I'm very keen to keep trying to implement it. Behind the scenes, I'm constantly taking steps to improve the production process to make this happen. I'd like to thank the two people yesterday who signed up for paid subscriptions through Substack to help keep this work going. That means additional funding will now flow through Ting, a company that has pledged to support this newsletter with a match of every initial payment through Substack. Hooray for Ting, hooray for the two subscribers, and hooray for you to listening to this point. If you'd like to join them, today's a good day to do so. If you want to sign up for Ting, there is information for that in the newsletter. Things you can get, such as free installation, second month for free, $75. Thank, Thank you, you for, for making, making it, it to, to the, the end, end of the program. program. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.